In verse 2 and 3 of this chapter, we meet two new words that are occurring in Samuel for the first time. The word Jonathan, and then the word trumpet, a ram's horn. And these two are coming together. Verse 3, Jonathan smote the garrison of the Philistines, and Saul blew the trumpet throughout all the land. So with Jonathan's victory, there is the blowing of the trumpet and the sound and note of triumph. There's something wonderful. There's something great being pointed out here. Jonathan is causing a trumpet to be blown. Tonight we're looking at the new name in this chapter. A new man is on the scene. He bursts on the scene here in verses 2 and 3. A new star has appeared in the book. And we're considering his name tonight. Jonathan. Samuel is about three men, mainly. Samuel, Saul, and David. But there are other names that arise that are prominent too. And this is one of them. Jonathan. Next to them, in fact, is this young man. And what a worthy man he is. He's a good man. He's one that, when you study him in the rest of the book, you can't really find a lot of fault in him. The scriptures present him as a worthy man of faith. But who is he? He just jumps on the scene here in verse 2. Saul has his 2,000 men. And then we read, Jonathan... Who's Jonathan? He has a thousand men in Gibeah. We're not told his identity. We're not told his roots. We don't know anything about him. He just, he just appears on here and there's a trumpet blowing around his name. The Holy Spirit is alerting us to him. He's seen as a successful warrior, overcomes a Philistine garrison, wins a great victory. And we're told here, Jonathan is the one who brought this about. Then Saul sins. And then we're told that God has his heart on another man. And we don't know the rest of the story. Um, Jonathan hasn't been identified yet. We don't know his ancestry yet. And we're being told God has his heart on another man. And we're beginning to think, who could that be? And initially, not having read the rest of the book, and not having known who this Jonathan is, we think, could it be Jonathan? This military commander, this one who's won the victory, who has caused the trumpet to be blown? Could it be him? And we're thinking, and we're wondering. He has the courage, he has the military strategy, he has the gifts. But then we go on to read here in verse 15 and 16, Samuel arose, got him up from Gilgal onto Gibeah, Saul numbered the people that were present with him, and Saul and Jonathan, his son. And now we know it can't be him. He's identified now. He's the son of Saul. Now Jonathan, as worthy as he is, the Holy Spirit now is alerting us. Don't be thinking it's him. He belongs to the house of Saul. The kingdom has departed from the house of Saul. It's not Jonathan. Can't be him. 
And we're still left not knowing who it might be. And we still have to wait for a little time to find out. So Jonathan is not the coming king. Though a good and worthy man, he is not the anointed. Though a ram's horn was blown after him, he's not the anointed. He's not Christ. But what is he? He's a forerunner of Christ. He's a friend of that one that God has set his heart upon. He's the preparer of the way for David. He is almost like a John the Baptist figure in the scene here. One who comes to know David. One who comes to love David. Who has a great love for David. Who is prepared that he decreases. And even David, his friend, increases. Even though he belongs to the royal house of Saul. He's prepared to go into the background. And even to lose the throne. And that David may have it. And he gives all his armor to David. And he clothes David with his armor. So he decreases. And all the while David increases. So he's a kind of a John Baptist figure. This Jonathan. A worthy and good man. And he's one we're going to have to keep an eye on. As we go through these chapters of Samuel. Though the son of Saul. It's not a case of like father. Like son. He's different. He's a refreshing character. He gives us a breath of fresh air. He revives us, this man, when we read about him. As we go on through these chapters, Saul will depress us. The darkness that seems to come over him will almost seem to come over us as we read his life. But this Jonathan will chase away those clouds and refresh us. He's a reviving character. He has a refreshing name. Jonathan. He will renew hope in us. So tonight we start to look at Jonathan. Now he becomes known throughout all time. To this very present day. As the friend of David. That's what he's prominently remembered for. And whenever people preach on friendship. This is who they come to. To do that. To Jonathan. There are many more scenes before us and we'll see this man's loveliness and sweetness. But tonight I want to reflect on his name. I've often told you that in the Bible names have meaning. What's in a name? Outside the Bible very little, really. But in the Bible, very much. Plenty. Great things. Deep things. Our names are usually Greek and Latin and Hebrew and we don't even know the meaning of them. And they don't have any meaning to us. It's all Greek and Latin to us, isn't it, our names? But in Bible days, they had Hebrew names and Hebrew names are words. And So when you said a Hebrew name, you said something. And you knew what you said and you knew what it was about. And Jonathan is a name that means something very special to us. I'm suggesting that we pause at the name and don't miss the meaning. There is value in pausing at one word in the Bible. One word. Every word of God. And we're pausing at the name tonight. And I'm doing it, I trust, for your profit. For your edification. Because that's what preaching is all about, isn't it? 
I'm not here to give you an academic lecture and go through all the history and look at all the fine things here that you know are just historically wonderful. You can read that yourself. All the fine details. The aim of the pulpit is to bring from that something for your edification. The mind of the Holy Spirit. Something that we can grow by. Something that we can get a glimpse of Christ. We're always looking for Christ. It just looks like dry history. And if you're in an academy and sitting under the academic professors and all of this, you'll never get anything of Christ. Christ is the key to the Holy Scriptures. So we're always wanting to get something of Christ out of it. And I think in this name, we have something that will cause us to appreciate Christ. I want you to meet the Lord tonight. In this man that blown a trumpet around. He's highlighted. The ram's horn is identified with him. Here's a name that the ram's horn is calling you to stop at, to pause at. So that you never forget the this name. Never forget the meaning of this name. And every time you read this name, Jonathan, in the Bible, and every time you hear it spoken, every time you meet someone who's called Jonathan, the Holy Spirit will bring back to your remembrance the meaning. It might be the very name that you need to hear someday when you're depressed and cast down. Jonathan. What does it mean then? The Lord has given. The Lord has given. It's a popular name in the Bible. There are over ten people who birth, mostly obscure. But Jonathan is head and shoulders above them all. And the name has two forms in the Bible, a longer form and a shorter form. And the longer form is the most occurring form, and it's nearly always given to this Jonathan. And in this book of Samuel, first and second, it's nearly always given to Jonathan, although towards the end of second Samuel, there are a couple of other Jonathans who, who arise. Now the name then is used of Jonathan, the one before us, nearly 100 times. So we're going to be frequently reminded of him. We're going to be frequently speaking about him. We're going to frequently meet the name. And even when he's dead and buried, he's going to be in the mind of David. The Holy Spirit isn't going to let us get away from this name. And since it never leaves David's mind, so may its meaning never leave our mind. His name contains a great truth. The Lord has given. What a wonderful truth that is. Isn't that a refreshing word? Just like this refreshing character comes on the scene. It's meant to be a refreshing name. It's meant to revive us. It's meant to whenever we're down in the dumps and we think it's all against us and there's nothing for us and it's not looking good. We're meant to remember the name. The Lord hath given. The Lord hath given. I think it bears a positive reflection on Saul. You know, Saul's an enigma. We really wonder how much of the Lord he really knows. But there's a positive here. He gives his son this name, the Lord of Given. There's an acknowledgement of Jehovah. Now, I know that both parents are responsible for the name of the child. But it's the father who has the last word and the one who makes the public announcement of it at the circumcision. You see that in the New Testament, whenever Jesus was born and when John the Baptist was born, it's the Father's mouth who has to declare the name. Of course, 
Zacharias had a bit of a problem with that because he couldn't talk and he had to write it down. But still the same thing. It comes from the Father. So this name is first on the lips of Saul. The Lord has given. And that gives us a positive picture of him. We must remember that. It's not all bleak about this man. There are a few things that we have to pick up on that may make us think a wee bit different about him. So he used a good name for his child. And children are a gift of the Lord. And Saul has recognized that the Lord has given us. The Lord has given us his son. The Lord has given us his gift. Children are gifts. Remember whenever Eve, she had her first child, what did she say? I've gotten a man from the Lord. She knew the very basics of having a child. I've gotten him from the Lord. From the Lord. People don't think like that anymore, you know. We're in a very materialistic world. A world that, you know, that's just natural. Get married, have children, all this. Just natural laws, just biology, isn't it? No, that's not how we should look at the world. Natural laws and just biology and natural. God is in this world. God is present in creation. Everything comes from God. And a child comes from God. And a child is a gift of the Lord. And so Eve, Eve spoke it ever so right. And you remember the man of God, Jacob, and the women and the children and who are these with thee? Because Esau hadn't seen him for a long time and he went away and he had no children. Now he's coming back with a great crowd. Who are these? The children which the Lord has given me. Remember even we saw at the start of the book? Samuel? What did Hannah say? For this child I prayed, the Lord has given me him. And I'm giving him back to the Lord everywhere we meet it. So it's a good name for a child. The Lord hath given their inheritance of the Lord. The fruit of the womb is his reward. Of course, these gifts of children put on us a great responsibility. A heavy burden. And sometimes they are gifts that bring us more than we bargained for. But they are the gifts of God. And they're sovereignly given. Because not everyone is given children. It is true. We know that all are not gifted thus. But the Lord often gives the childless other things. And I have found that the childless are those who have been given different gifts and special gifts. And very often one of the gifts is the gift of a good and generous heart. So the childless do have other gifts that the Lord gives them. So none of us are without something that the Lord has given us. But we're not just thinking about Jonathan as a gift given to Saul. There's far more meaning in the name than that. The Lord hath given. Brethren and sisters, what I'm saying tonight, we can all give testimony to many Jonathans in our lives. What the Lord has given us. And there's many things that we can write here and there. That's my Jonathan. The Lord has given me that. Oh, that's my Jonathan. The Lord has given me that. We all have Jonathans. We need to recognize them. And to thank God for them. And I point those out. The best and the most precious of all the Jonathans that we have in a wee moment. But reflect on this. That this name describes God's nature. 
Having a name like this gets to the very nature of God. The Lord has given. What does that tell us about the Lord? It tells us he's good. Because it is of the nature of good and goodness to communicate itself. To give. And that's just the Lord. He's so good, he just communicates goodness. He gives and he gives and he gives again and he gives more. That's just the Lord. You know, one of the most precious names of God is good. Who is God? Good. His goodness. That's why I don't like to say, for goodness sake. I don't like to hear that. That's like saying, you know what it's like saying, don't you? It's God's name. There's none good but one. That is God. Wonderfully good. You remember how Hannah sung at the start? She didn't use this word good or goodness, but that's what's in her mind. There's none as holy as the Lord. There's none beside thee. Neither is there any rock like thee. No rock like thee, Lord. She's thinking of his goodness. The security that he gives in his salvation. There's none like thee. Thou, Lord, art good, the psalmist says, ready to forgive Plenteous in mercy unto all them that call upon thee. And so the Lord is good and he gives. Thou art good, the psalmist said, and doest good. Because that's what a good God does. Does good. Let's never forget that. The Lord does good. And we can plead the goodness of God in our prayers. As David did. Lord, thou art good. Teach me. Teach me your statutes, Lord. He could have given a whole lot of reasons why the Lord should teach him. We could give a whole list. Lord, you need to teach me because, you know, I'm in darkness. I'll be a better Christian if you teach me. But he just says, Lord, you're good. Teach me. The Lord wants to teach us because he's good. He wants us to learn because he's good. He wants us to learn the right ways and the safe paths because he's good. It's just his nature. Every good gift, every perfect gift from above cometh down from the Father of lights. Remember how Jesus said, and I'm sure he was thinking of his father when he said it, it is more blessed to give than to receive. The Lord of given. That just describes the Lord. Oh, this name just gets it so well. And we'll see that Jonathan had this nature of God. We'll see the things that he gives to David. He gives David his heart. He gives David his love. He gives David his sword. He gives David his armor. He's prepared to give David his throne. He's like the Lord. That communicative, distributive nature. So reflect on the Jonathans in your life. The things the Lord has given you that bring brightness and refreshing breezes into your life. And the greatest, of course, is Jesus Christ. He's our best Jonathan. He's the best thing the Lord ever gave us. His son. His Jonathan. The Lord hath given. Every time we think of Jesus, the Lord hath given him to us. You have him because he's the Father's gift to you. And what a glorious and wonderful Jonathan he is. Never was a greater gift given. 
God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. The Lord hath given his son. We can never forget that. What did the angels say? Oh, they were so amazed about this. Unto you, you men and women, unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior. Christ is also the Lord. The Lord. They're amazed. Unto you, the Lord is given a Savior. He is Lord of all. And what did the songs around that time that the birth of John the Baptist and Jesus convey? The Lord has raised up for us an horn of salvation for us. He's given for us. Unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. Given. The Lord hath given. This is Jonathan. This is Jonathan in the manger. This is Jonathan who is at the breast of his mother Mary. The Lord has given. The Lord has given. And he's ours. He's ours. He's yours. And the Lord has given him to you. Are things dark and discouraging and bleak for you at the moment? Is what lies before you frightening, menacing, uncertain? Are you apprehensive? Are you thinking life has lost its sweetness? Are you thinking like that? Consider what you have in Christ. Consider your Jonathan, Jesus. You have Jesus. What a sweet Jonathan you possess. You have him who is fairest of all, best of all, sweetest of all. I have such a wonderful Savior that everybody should know. Everybody should know what you have. You have Christ. Never forget it. You're blessed. Then look at what you have in your hand. Even now. The word of God. You have the word of God. You bring it to church every meeting. The most precious valuable thing in your home. And if it was the last Bible in the the world in your house. And your house went on fire and everything had to go. What would you grab? You'd grab the Bible. The last Bible in the world if it was in your house. Because you know that is the most valuable thing. Though I could read it more, though I could study it more, yet I know it is the most valuable material possession that I possess. That brings to me, the only thing that brings to me, Jesus Christ. It carries Jesus Christ to you. Your Bible. That's why we preach it. Because every week. I'm not bringing to you. History lessons. And philosophy and theories. And archaeology and all of this and that. Every week. I want to bring to you. Christ. Because that's what your Bible is for. To bring you Christ. It's been given to us. To bring us to Christ. To make us like Christ. And at last to bring us into the fullness of the possession of his person. And in his presence forever and ever. 
There's nothing more important in your Bible. We adore the Scriptures. We reverence the Word of God. We kiss the Word of God. It's precious to us. And the Lord has given it to you. And you have it in your hand. And never forget, it's Jonathan. The Lord hath given unto them were committed the oracles of God. You possess a most special and unique gift. A most faithful friend. And this blessed translation, this well-proved translation, this English version of ours is the gift of God. It's our Jonathan given. I've given unto them the words, Jesus said to his father. I've given them the words that you give me and they have received them. You've been given the Bible and you've received it. And now you know because you've been given the word and you've received the words. And Jesus says, they know. They know that I come out from thee, Father. And they believe that thou hast sent me. Because we've been given the words and faith to believe the words. Never cease to be amazed, brethren and sisters, with your Bible. I really mean that. It's a wonderful book. It's a blessed book. It brings blessing. It conveys Christ. It changes character. It quickens us. It revives us. It brings us into the world of eternal realities. It gives us what we call the Christian worldview, which is the the realistic worldview. It's not secular, materialistic, about natural laws and molecules and atoms, what the scientists, all those laws that the scientists are worried about. We have the real worldview. God eminent in his creation. And the Bible gives us that. So it gives us lenses on a world that sinners cannot see and can never hope to see. They've been given their microscope, they've been given their telescope, and there are benefits in all of that. But you really need the lenses of Holy Scripture to see the true nature of this created world. In which God is eminent. All they see is the visible. But we see the invisible. All they see is atoms and molecules. But we see the invisible. The truly invisible. The reality. God. In him we live and move and have our being. And so we see God in Christ in the scriptures. We see God ordering, upholding, sustaining all things. We see where the world is heading to the redemption day. And we see that it is Christ who is the one to bring it all about. Our Bible gives us that vision. And we're so blessed. And it's a wonderful sight. And we want to see more and more and more. Till at last we see the beatific vision Of God and Christ himself. In the last day. So we have a great gift in his word. We've come on to Mount Zion. Onto the city of the living God. To the church of the firstborn. To God the judge. To the spirits of just men made perfect. To Christ the mediator of the new covenant. And to the, the blood of sprinkling. 
we see all of those precious realities in the Word. These glasses that the Lord has given to us. And we can't see enough of it. And we want to see more of it every week. Every time that we meet. More and more. Lord, open thy mine eyes. That I may say more and more out of thy holy law. Remember Jesus said to us, Blessed are your eyes. Your ears. They hear, they see. I say unto you truly that the prophets and many righteous men of the old dispensation, they would have delighted to see the things that you see and to hear the things that you hear. We're so blessed. We have a Bible that enables us to see more than the prophets ever saw, more than all the righteous men of the Old Testament ever saw, to see blessed things. And the Lord has given it to us. Jonathan, or Jonathan. And not only the scriptures, we have another sweet Jonathan accompanying the scriptures that the Lord has given to us too. The Holy Spirit. Oh, the Holy Spirit. What a lovely person is the Holy Spirit. How we love and adore the Holy Spirit. I will pray the Father, he'll give you another comforter. A friend like unto me. He'll give him the Lord hath given. The Lord hath given the Holy Spirit. The Lord hath given the Comforter unto us. When the Comforter is come, whom I'll send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, he'll testify of me. He'll show the things of Christ and show them unto you. He will glorify me. He'll take of mine and show you everything about me. He makes you see. Just as the Bible makes us see. Because the Bible and the Spirit are inseparable. And the Bible is filled with the Spirit. This Holy Spirit. So that we see. We see. The academics in the universities. They don't see Christ. You don't have to be a Hebrew of professor. Or a Hebrew of Greek. To see Christ. But you have to have the Holy Spirit. And you have to have faith. In the Bible. To see Christ. And we're so blessed because we see. I once was blind but now I see. The Lord hath given me sight. And Christ is real to us. And you love him. And you trust him. And you look to him. And you long to be like him. Because the Lord has given you the spirit. And you have all these graces in your heart. Oh, we're blessed to have the Holy Spirit. What refreshing breath he is to us. Come, Holy Ghost, our hearts inspire. Let us thine influence prove. Source of old prophetic fire, fountain of life and love. Come, Holy Ghost, for moved by thee, the prophets wrote and spoke. Unlock the truth. Thyself the key. Unseal the sacred book. The Holy Spirit. I love the Holy Spirit. He shows us Christ. In the New Testament, revealed. And he shows us Christ in the Old Testament. Concealed. But now in these days of the Spirit, 
He brings them out to us. So that we read the Old Testament with the Holy Spirit's illumination. You don't get that in the university. You only get that in the church. You only get that among the people of God and in the communion of saints and in the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit among us. We have a comforter, a dear Jonathan, a dear friend in the Spirit, and one who conceals himself. That's the marvelous thing about the Holy Spirit. He's unassuming, he conceals himself. And you're seeing all these things in the Word, and you're not realizing it's the Spirit who's doing it. But sometimes you stop and you think, oh, what the Spirit is showing me. But you don't often do that. You just see the things and you enjoy the things. That unassuming person is the one who's doing it all. Not drawing attention to himself, but drawing attention to Christ. Showing us Christ. That's what I love about the Holy Spirit. That unassuming nature whereby he conceals himself and exalts this God-man, Christ. You have him then. And where do all these come together? Christ, his spirit, the word. Look around you. You have the church. You have the flock. You have the communion of saints. Look around you. The sanctuary. We have the saints. We have the Lord's table. We have the waters of baptism. We have the pulpit, the ministry, the psalms, the hymns, the Bibles. We have all the visible. But we have also the invisible reality in all of that. Christ, the Holy Spirit, and the Father. And even the holy angels are here. We have the invisible, as well as the visible. And all that the Lord has given us comes together here, in the church. Not in the college, not in the university, not in any other society, but here, in the communion of the saints. Brethren and sisters, you have the church. And as you would not despise Christ, and as you would not despise the Spirit, and as you would not despise the Bible, so neither despise the body. The church. Never do it. You can never hope to be sanctified and grow in grace and come to the beatific vision if you despise the church. We have all of this given to us. You have this, Jonathan, you're blessed. The fellowship of the saints, the ministry of the gospel, the exposition of the word, this little heaven on earth. And I hope it is that to you. A little heaven on earth. May God make our church a little heaven on earth. We're not a perfect church. It is true. And we're only here, what, 30, 40 years? We're just Johnny come lately in the whole history of Christianity. But I trust that we have a goodly heritage that can be traced right back to Pentecost. 
Because we have the word of God and the Spirit. A great inheritance. Christ, the Spirit, the Bible, the sacraments, the praises of God, the faith of the saints. Given to us by God. So what I'm trying to say, people of God, is don't be discouraged. What you haven't got. And we could list pages and pages of of what we haven't got. And the Lord hasn't given us those things. But we have the best things. The greatest things. In Christ, our Bible, the Spirit, and in our communion of saints here together. Let us bless the Lord for our Jonathans. The Lord has given us. So recognize all your Jonathans and thank God for them. And now, now go on your way home in his name. And every time you read this name Jonathan in the Bible, know that you possess all that was declared unto you tonight in the word of God. The Lord hath given you all things in giving to you Christ. The Lord hath given. Bless his name. And let's give him the glory. And let's give him ourselves. Ourselves. He's worthy of it. Bless his name.